Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello again. Yes, I am back and um, very excited to bring you part two of this series. And of course, if you have not listened to part one of the Bright Bright Line Eating podcast, just go back and listen now because this second part won't make as much sense unless you've listened to part one. So I'm going to dive straight in today without further ado because uh, I bet you're just on the edges of your seat to see what else we've uncovered about this uh, extremely full-on diet and and culture and community that has sprung up uh, with Brightline Eating and the whole story of Susan Pierce Thompson. So in part one, we dove into this strange and obsessive world of the Brightline Eating community and Susan Pierce Thompson herself. And we talked about neuroscience and all of the rules that are involved with the Brightline 18 food plan, which has been lifted from Food Addicts Anonymous and Monetized. We also heard from Dr. Sandra Amat, neuroscientist, who not only shared her own story of how she came to give up a lifetime of dieting and trying to um, shrink her body and found peace in the non-diet approach, But she also gave us a really lovely rational overview of how our brains regulate our body weight and they they don't give up. And of course, she poo-pooed the whole idea of the food addiction model. In a nutshell, food addiction is not really a thing, but uh, restricting ourselves from foods that we love is a surefire way to become obsessed with it. That's the take-home message really from part one. And today uh, I'm going to continue this deep dive into the Brightline eating community and diet. And we're going to get started by talking about the research um, or the alleged research that backs up Brightline eating. And then we're going to hear more from Dr. Martina Zanger, who as you know, her original crappy nomination was for Brightline Eating and that's how I got started down this rabbit hole. So I'm going to have a really lovely chat with her and how her experience with um, Brightline Eating Cult impacted. And then finally, we're going to end and round out the show with talking about just the astonishing amount of money uh, Brightline Eating is making and also where it's going. So let's start with looking at the claims about research of this because there's an entire page on the Brightline Eating's website which is rather grandly titled Research Publications. And in Susan Pierce Thompson's book and during her emails and like thousands of messages that she sends people, she's always talking about all this research that allegedly has been done on Brightline Eating to prove how effective it is. But is it? You know me, I'm, I'm not just going to hear a message and believe the hype, I'm going to dig. And I dug and like, oh, the truth here, it's just so much less shiny and sparkly than, than what she's saying. So on this website, there are what, what looks at first glance to be four research publications listed. But 
actually only one of them is a published paper. The others literally just posters from conferences. So when you go to a professional conference in like say the nutrition world, there'll be paid presenters and then there'll be a lot of unpaid presenters, a lot of researchers giving workshops and talks and stuff like that. And then there are what is called poster presentations where people like literally put up pictures um, like or posters describing their research and it can be anyone from you know an honours or master's level student. Sometimes we see you know weight loss industry people putting up posters. So posters are not the same as a published research paper. So of what look like for research publications on her website, only one's been actually published. The rest are poster presentations. And you know it's interesting because um, Susan Pierce Thompson is has been in academia for most of her life. And I find it very unusual that someone who has been in academia at a PhD level has so little in in the name of actual research publications because many academic institutions do have a requirement that you're publishing a lot, especially if she has such fascinating research. So it is unusual that she's got so few published papers under her belt. But look, let's talk about the published study, the single published study. It's definitely nothing to write home about. It's from the Journal of Nutrition and Weight Loss. Interesting title. And the title of this paper was called Evaluation of a Commercial Telehealth Weight Loss and Management Program. And it was published in 2018. And the authors are Guan, Thor, Brondhus and Schechter. So Susan Pierce Thompson is not one of the paper's authors. And basically in, you know, overview, it it evaluated her online eight-week boot camp, okay? And so this is the the thing that people buy, which is, you know, takes them through the eight-week process of being starved. And the research paper said that between October 2014 to March 2018, so roughly four years, 18,778 people enrolled in the boot camp. I got stuck on that fact for a bit, (laughs) to be honest, because remember this costs US dollars 900 per person and 18, nearly 19,000 people have been through the program in those four years. 9,996 of these people did agree to do the research so to participate as part of the ongoing study of the program and then eight weeks later 5,374 people did the return survey so we had a dropout rate in eight weeks of around 50 percent and I want you to remember you've just paid $900 that is a shit ton of money and you've dropped out after eight weeks that's that's a clue right so they followed people who completed the final sample and sort of grabbed data off them. And what they found out is that sort of the demographics, I guess, of who's doing the program. It might not surprise you to learn that the people buying this program, mainly white people, mainly well-off, older female. So 92% were white, 96% were college educated. And the average age of the people doing the program was 55. So she's really targeting that uh, menopausal market 
of women who have some disposable income and who are feeling really horrible about their bodies because menopause and middle age is a time when bodies undergo a change and unfortunately that is not embraced we we're sort of expected as usual to try and shrink our bodies no matter what we're trying to go through what did they find they took their average weight before they started the um, program and this is a numbers warning here for everyone listening i'm going to talk numbers not because i um i'm a fan of uh, weight loss but i do think it's useful to have some idea of what is happening to people in the program in terms of weight loss because that will not match the claims that she's actually making publicly. So the average weight at baseline was 88.3 kilos. After the eight-week boot camp, remember the boot camp means that you have to eat only three times a day. The meals are really strictly weighed and measured. And of course, you're not allowed anything with flour or sugar in it. So it's it's extreme. And average weight loss over the eight weeks was 7.1 kilograms. And look, that's not surprising given the level of starvation at play. It would be very surprising if people did not lose weight after restricting themselves so firmly for eight weeks. At US $900 for the boot camp, that's around $1,300 Australian, with an average weight loss of seven kilos, you're paying close to 200 Australian dollars per kilo over eight weeks. And we know that that's going to be a temporary loss because any weight loss that happens on programs like this is really temporary and weight tends to come back. So my take home from reading this paper is there's nothing to see here. There's nothing, nothing outstanding. It's your run-of-the-mill short-term weight loss program research paper, which lo and behold has, has shown that when you starve, you will lose weight. There's nothing to set this apart from any other weight loss program. There was no attempt in the research paper to even investigate anything neurological, which is interesting given that neuroscience underpins her whole book. There was also no attempt to search for harm or to screen people, for example, for eating disorder behaviours at any point during the program. So pretty flimsy, pretty unimpressive from, from where I'm sitting. So compare this rather, I don't know, limp research to the rather grand claims that she's making in her book. Direct quote, we believe it is the most successful weight loss program on earth. Okay, Susan, it's nice that you believe this, but we do need some fact to uh, back up this opinion. In the book, there is an effort from Susan to put some numbers in to back up her claims of this being the most awesome thing on the planet. But she's using some pretty stinky tactics. At one point in the book, she brags about the rate of weight loss on her program compared to weight loss that happens on other commercial weight loss programs like Work, Work, our old friends, and Jenny Craig. So she says after two years, the research on Jenny Craig and Work, Work showed people lost 8 to 9% of their starting weight. And then she says, but on my program, people lose 10%. And then she says that people lose more weight on her program and her weight loss is 12 times faster. That's a little bit of uh, statistical buggery there because what she's doing is comparing, so the what Wurt and Jenny Craig research went for two years and her boot camp research goes for eight weeks. 
you can't compare something that goes for eight weeks to something that goes for two years and then say yours is better because yours is incomparable, basically. By stopping research sooner to make your stuff look more effective, all you're doing is stopping looking when people are in like the real kind of acceleration rate of weight loss. Early on, people lose more weight. And the longer you follow people on these research papers, the more weight they regain. So really dodgy, very sneaky, not a fair comparison. Now, the big deal when you're trying to pedal weight loss is not in the short-term results, uh, which anyone can basically manipulate using any method, the grape diet, the cookie diet, like anyone can get weight loss in the short term. It's all about um, proving that your program can quote-unquote keep the weight off forever because that's really what everyone's looking for because we know that overwhelmingly in lifestyle diet programs, the weight comes back on. And a lot of people end up heavier than they were before they started. And Susan Pierce Thompson knows the stats on it. So I was pretty much dumbfounded to read the claims that she's making in her book. In her book, she actually says the following. I'm just going to read what she's saying. 87% of respondents maintained weight loss or continued to lose. One year on, 28% were at goal weight and quote unquote, many more were still losing. At goal weight, people have lost 25% of their starting weight. And of those at goal weight, 84% are maintaining it. This little nugget of a paragraph has absolutely no statistics or research to back it up. Like nothing, nothing. <laughs> You can't do that. <laughs> you can't make claims with statistics in them without referring to the sample that you're actually speaking about. We've got no numbers, no descriptions of who she's talking about. We have like literally no idea. 87% of how many respondents, we don't know. We don't know if we're talking about four people or 4,000. And what even is a respondent? Like what, what are we talking about? We don't know how many people are in this research pool of, of people that she's apparently followed long time. So my question, Susan Pierce Thompson, why aren't you so cagey about sharing these statistics with the world? Where are these people coming from? Who the hell are they? If you've apparently cracked the holy grail of permanent weight loss, why aren't we hearing the whole story? There's a grand unsubstantiated claim that she makes shortly after that. No other eating program on the planet has a cohort of people reaching and maintaining goal weight. Okay, to which I say, prove it, Susan Pierce Thompson. Put your money where your mouth is. And as we'll see in a minute, there's plenty of money here. This kind of stuff is really dirty. This is not okay to like literally make up statistics and make claims that will, it's such a false promise. Another huge red flag, which got my goat, is in the book, she admits that there are people in her program that have eating disorders and a large number of people who are doing her program who are already thin and then doing the program to achieve weight loss and achieve this quote unquote goal weight. This is not just ethically awful. I mean, it's just ethically shocking to think that you would um, unquestioningly allow people with active eating disorders onto your program and also allow people to starve themselves. Oh, don't even get me started. But it's also going to interfere with any scientific results. The kind of realisation that, okay, if we're talking about people who have quote-unquote hit goal weight but were small to begin with or it's just so dirty and so messy and I really do worry 
if she's saying that there is a cohort of people who have lost 25% of their body weight and are maintaining it, I really worry about those people because they could very well be very unwell eating disorder people being represented in her book as success stories. And that makes me sick. So returning now to her parent research publications on this website. So we've got basically the one short-term paper that was nothing to write home about. And then there's three other posters, not actually published research, as we've talked about, just, just posters. But on the website, they're labelled as research publications, which is misleading. I took a look, though, at the posters, and I'll just run really quickly through what I found. One was a poster version of the paper, the published paper that we were just talking about. But then for some reason, there's a description of that poster and it's talking about a completely different sample of people. For no, I don't actually know why. It's a smaller number of people, like 3,280 people. I think it's because they're talking about a smaller sample of people who actually do have a BMI of 25 or above, which again means that the people who were featured in the published article, quite a substantial number of those people were thin to begin with. That's a worry. And as I said, from a research point, it's potentially misleading. So from the poster and then the description of the poster, which talks about a completely different sample, that's really all I could kind of understand is that we're talking about different people and we're talking about this potential of uh, there's a lot of people doing bright lines eating who are already small did not manage to get anything in terms of results or coherent information out of whatever that was. The next poster featured, the title was Brightline Eating, an Effective Online Program for Sustained Weight Loss. So this is a poster from a nutrition conference. It was written by A. Thor and Carly Thor from Millsaps College. And charmingly, I have discovered that Carly is Andrew's daughter. And my question is, like, was this kind of some kind of school assignment? Because it's terrible. <laughs> this is this is not not even re- I don't even know what to call it. It's it's a poster version of the dodgy tactic I was just talking about, which is what Susan did in the book, which is talking about people who have lost and maintained weight loss for two years using the Bright Line Eating program, but there literally doesn't talk about who they're talking about. <laughs> It doesn't define the sample. Right, so there's no actual numbers. I haven't seen anything like this before. It, it was quite extraordinary in terms of how bad it was. It has the headings that you might ordinarily find in a scientific paper. Introduction, methods, results, and discussion. But it's not actually a research paper. All it does is describe the Brightline Eating Program under the method section, for example, it just talks about what happens in boot camp. There's no actual statistical or experimental design described in this poster. No kind of information given to the reader about how the long-term research was carried out. Under the results section of this poster, there are bar graphs. And the bar graphs do present information, but there's no numbers again. Like we don't know who this sample is. And one of them says, that it shows the mean percentage of weight loss of people who opted to be included in follow-up surveys for research purposes and have provided initial and subsequent body weight results over the past two years. We don't know what two years. We don't know how many people were in that sample. We got no numbers. 
at all. We could be talking about three people. We could be talking about Andrew and Carly. I have no idea. Or we could be talking about 4,000 people, which it's kind of a red flag, right? And it gets even worse. The bar graph is called decrease in body weight over time. But one of the bars says baseline and then, so it says baseline and then it says like it has a 10% weight loss. So apparently, apparently people are losing weight losing 10% of their body weight at baseline, which I've got no words, slightly weird. So this is not research. You know, this is a sloppy poster, which was up at a nutrition conference and it's worlds apart from a peer-reviewed, ethics-approved academic paper. I just can't say anything else about it. I mean, except shame on you, Susan Pierce Thompson, for trying to pass this off as science. And then there's one more poster, which is from Andrew Thor, this time without his daughter. It's from 2017 and it looks like it's a smaller version of the eight-week boot camp, you know, results. So again, nothing to write home about. So please don't be fooled. If you hear from people or Susan Pierce Thompson that Brightline Eating is evidence-based or research-based, this is abominable. One published paper that shows weight loss, woohoo, and literally nothing to, but there is nothing to back up anything about long-term changes in weight. Surely someone who is making millions of dollars from her programs can afford to squeeze out a little bit more quality data than that. Here's her quote again. We believe that this is the most successful weight loss program on earth. Okay, belief is not the same as data. Consumers, be warned. This is snake oil sales at its finest. So that's the research bit done. I hope you're as unimpressed as I was. And now what I'd like to do is get beyond these, all of this sort of science stuff and really talk about the humanity because that's what we're here for. So let's hear now from someone who was taken in by Susan Pierce Thompson and her Brightline Eating Cult, Dr. Martina Zanger. And I had an awesome talk about her experiences and you really really need to hear her story so without further ado I'm going to give you over to Martina so Martina thank you so much for coming on the show it's my pleasure Louise and tell me what what gets you all fired up well the thing I'm most fired up about I'm I'm most fired up about diet culture in general but most particularly, I'm all fired up about the Bright Line Eating movement, which yeah. I think is an unconscionable money-making scheme that gives participants eating disorders such as orthorexia, anorexia, and binge eating disorders. So it's actually a really dangerous program that is marketed brilliantly by the neuropsychologist Susan Pierce Thompson, who is basically a very charismatic, charming um, manipulator, making at least ten million dollars a year from from her various programs. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, yeah. When when I heard your crappies rant that yeah. you you sent in, it just really stuck in my in my head. Mm -hmm. Just how. Yeah, your experience because you're talking from personal experience, right? I you am, were yeah, I am. So whatever, whatever I'm saying is based on my own personal experience, and also on some of my friends who did the program too, mm -hmm. and who had similar experiences to me. Yeah, 
I think it's so important to come on and talk about yes. experiences in especially these kinds of communities, which can be quite, um, we don't hear a lot, you know, about how things work and what happens to people. But we always hear from diet culture the so-called success stories with weight loss diets or, you know, transforming your life and transforming your body. Rarely do we hear like the actual, the the human casualties. Exactly. the destruction and the the harm that's being done by these diet programs. And I'm just so glad that you're happy to come on and talk, like talk us through like in pretty much detail about what happened to you. Yes, Um, very happy to. Yeah, because it's just not the Mm. sparkly promised land that... No, I mean, she marked it brilliantly. And people just buy the Kool-Aid, like they are just tens of thousands of people have signed up to her yeah. programs and yeah. continue to pay. So you can't just pay once for your eight-week boot camp. You then, then have to join her follow-up programs. And most women that, it's mostly women that sign up and they're pretty much between 40 and 70 years of age. They're middle-class white women. And they would probably spend an average of $3,000 a year on her various programs that they become really dependent on. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money. Because you can't, con- you can't continue to do it on your own. You would just fall off the wagon because it's an mm-hmm. impossible program to do except for maybe 1% of the population that's control freak, highly anxious, perfectionistic, and mentally unwell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, a small number of people can sustain yes. very restrictive practices with eating in the long term. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a therapist, I get concerned that those people are actually, you know, restrictive eating disorders. <laughs> they are. That's yeah. right. I think everyone um, who succeeds has an eating disorder. And when I was succeeding, so-called, mm-hmm. which I don't believe I was, but quotation marks succeeding I had an eating disorder I developed orthorexia and I was close to anorexia and I was extremely thin but still wanting it was not enough I wanted to get down lower and that's just insanity that's frightening isn't it that that's an eating disorder because it can be a slippery slope and um, the pursuit of weight loss just you know the the eating disorder keeps dropping the number yeah Um, and that was happening to you. Yes. Yeah. And she suggested actually some weird things like your goal weight. Goal weight was a huge topic of conversation in the Bright Line Eating community. She suggested that we should go back to, the, to our high school weight when we were like 15, 16. Now, how crazy is that? We're men and women and our goal weight should be what we were when we were at our thinnest in our teens. That is so screwed up. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. I knew you were going to throw some things things (laughs) at me. (laughs) But that's Um, insane. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, tell me how you found Brightline's eating and give us an idea of what it actually is. So I found it through a friend that I have been friends with for probably 30 years and we have always struggled with weight together. 
we've always talked about weight, food, binging, being good, being bad. And mm-hmm. she found Bright Line Eating and said she was going to do it. And I looked it up and I thought, yeah, I'll do it too. We'll do it together, which yeah. we did. And we really supported each other. And I remember in the first week, I was saying to her, I cannot fucking do this. It is so hard. I don't think I can do it. And she was like, no, go on. Let's let's keep doing it. We'll do it for a month and see right. how we go. Uh-huh. And I was hungry nonstop, day and night, day and night, day and night. Somehow I persevered and I lost a lot of weight, which then became really addictive, like hopping on the scales and going, oh my God, I've lost another so much. And that in itself then became the addiction for me. I think seeing the numbers on the scales and seeing my jeans get too big and buying a size smaller. I mean, it was completely superficial. And I feel Mm. embarrassed because I think of myself as quite a deep person, but it was so superficial, but it was highly intoxicating. I don't think it's superficial. Yeah. With yeah, when when it comes to chasing that weight loss, that is something that happens when you get an eating disorder. Exactly. Yeah. And and like you said, you're feeling intense hunger all the time, yeah. but also an intense exhilaration or high from yes. weight loss. And yeah. that's a sign of an eating disorder. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really tough. So you got, I guess, what did you have to do? In, so so when, what is bright lights? Yeah, the rules are there are four bright lines and they are, hang on, I've written them down. So no sugar, no flour, three weighed and measured meals a day, no snacks, not even any milk in your coffee. And the diet was probably a thousand calories a day. So there were tiny portions of grains tiny like you you might as well not eat any because it was just like one tablespoon of rice and there's tons of veggies so much veggies that I for a while when I stopped I couldn't even look at any veggies and then a tiny bit of fruit and protein some protein so Mm. it was an absolute diet of deprivation it just sounds I I mean when you when you gave me that number that is so low yeah and and I think um my thoughts about diets is that I hate them all but (laughs) very low calorie dieting is defined as I think well that's that's in that range and and I think people are supposed to be medically supervised if they have less than say 800 calories a day so this is this is less than what a toddler would get exactly exactly Mm. and I was so hungry but I would talk myself into like, I feel really good. I feel so great. I finally got control. I think it was about having control, maybe at a time when there were things that were out of control in my life. In my That's a, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, so menopause was, I was during in the middle of menopause, which I had a hard menopause. And there were some family issues, my mother died and so on. So I think it gave me this illusion of control. I can control my life. I can control my weight. Mm, I can even like I can set back the clock so I can feel younger rather than like an old menopausal frump. 
my gosh. Yeah. So many many things in there. Yeah. Yeah. And also on the back, on the back of having grown up with a mother who was, has been on it, was on a diet for 67 years of her entire life and taught me to diet when I was 12. Oh God. That's so sad. Yeah. So sad for her and for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you were you were trained as a yeah. as a dieter like from yeah. whole life. Yeah, absolutely. And I had as a as a young teenager and in my twenties, I had very low self esteem, and I thought what I look like is going to give me the self esteem I was lacking. So mm-hmm. I felt I was no good at anything. I was not as good as other people. I had a history of of childhood trauma. So that made me feel I'm different, I'm not enough, I'm damaged goods. Yeah. And then what dieting sort of really worked to make me feel, oh, I'm good at I'm good at something. I'm really good at this. This makes sense. It doesn't yeah. It? yeah. It it yeah. had a function in your life and yeah. it wasn't all negatives. It had powerful positive yeah. function. Yeah. To make and that, that whole theme of compensating for like I'm deeply flawed, but yeah. I can do this. Yeah, yeah. That's and it, diet culture just you know is all over that. It's all over how women are trained to think of themselves as you know their appearance is their worth, and Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and all over like just the I mean how much do, does the abuse of children and women get completely yeah. overlooked? Yeah. And when women can think about their weight instead of the trauma they experienced, often at the hands of men, they stay oppressed and they don't speak out and say, this thing happened to me. And there are, in my case, there were two men that were prominent men. One was a politician, one was a judge who abused me for six years of my life when I was a child. And I felt I had no voice. So instead of having a voice, I dieted and I focused all my energy on being really thin and pleasing. Yeah. 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 And my heart breaks for you. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You found a way of coping and surviving. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And to distract myself from the pain of abuse, you can just think about what am I going to eat? What should I have not eaten? How many calories is that? It can become a loop that just goes round and round as if you're a little hamster on a wheel day after day after day. Yeah, it's a powerful distraction, but it's, yeah. it's in many ways much easier to think about food and yeah. how hungry you are and ways not to be hungry than it is yeah. to figure out just the, the horribly complex and confronting stuff yeah. that's underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So you really like so many people were ripe for predators like Susan Pierce Thompson. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she commented so much. Like she said, I've written this down. She said it's a scientifically grounded program that teaches you a simple process for getting your brain on board so you can finally live happy, thin and free. I mean that yeah. sounds really seductive, doesn't it? Happy, thin, mm. free. I All the things. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And since you sent in your crappy, yeah. I, I signed up for her 
newsletters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and honestly, I, uh, where are we today? It's the 8th of June today that we're recording. Yeah. I signed up on the 3rd of May. Yeah. I've had 50 emails from her. So that's in a month you've had 50 uh-huh. emails. Yeah. yeah, that's the hard sell that she does. And it's full of that happy, thin and free stuff. Yeah. And the, when she's in her right body. Yeah, the um, right-sized body. She calls it the right-sized body or the bright line body, which is yeah. just so stupid. I can't <laughs> believe it. I can't believe I bought the message. Oh, but she's great at it. Yeah. Like this is, she's a, hitting every single marketing box yeah, that exactly. you can tick. Yeah. And she has the credentials. So, yes, you know. She's a professor of neuropsychology. So you well, sort of go, I myself teach at university and I have a PhD. So I was like, wow, she must know her stuff. But, you know, she has made up this program that, just makes it makes her I would say approximately 10 million dollars a year yeah how did you work out that so the boot camp the eight-week boot camp costs about 1200 dollars Australian a year it's 9.95 American could even be 1300 and then when you finish the eight-week boot camp she says you can't do this alone, so you need our support. And so you have to sign up for Bright Lifers, which is a one-year support program that you have to renew annually. And that's about $700 a year. And then there's another program that is for all those poor people who fall off their Bright Lines, which is probably at least 60%. At least, yeah. Maybe more, 70. And it's called Reboot Resume. And so thousands of women sign up for that because they they feel ashamed that they can't keep their bright line. She's making people pay for the relapse that her program causes. Exactly. And then she has a fourth program, which is called Bright Line Mind, which is all about like setting your mind right to have your bright lines bright I mean it's just completely ridiculous I mean it all rhymes but it's all bullshit yeah yeah bullshit like yeah. her the neuroscience thing like it does yeah. it hits the credibility scientific thing and then she uses the addiction models to yeah. pretend that, that this is the problem with our brains is that we are addicted to flour and sugar and chronic restriction and constant policing is the only way through it Exactly, yeah. And she even says, I've told you this before, when you're cooking, if you're hungry, put some sticky tape across your mouth so you're not tempted to lick the spoon that you're stirring your food with. I mean, just Mm -hmm. utterly, utterly crazy. Flat out deranged. Deranged, yeah. Irresponsible, horrific. But, I mean, for her to confidently say that to 50,000 people. Yes. And women who can't follow the bright lines, they blame themselves, not the diet. They blame themselves, not Susan Pierce Thompson. And that's, you know, that's tragic. And then they try again and again. They'll sign up for another another program because they go, I've been very bad and I need to learn how to be good. But that's diet culture, isn't it? Let's sell people something that doesn't work. Let's sell something that, that actually causes harm. Yeah. And then when people struggle, let's blame them and make them pay for it exactly. again. 
it's evil. Yeah. So very early on in your experience in Bright Lines, yeah. you found it pretty difficult, but then you kind of got hooked on the, the weight the, loss. The weight loss. So how, how did things go from, from there? Were you one of the people that fell off the Bright Lines or were you uh, able to no, white knuckle it? I kept it going. I was like, I do have a lot of, I was brought up in Switzerland. So my mum my and dad are Swiss and they taught, it's a very authoritarian culture. And so they taught me that to have lots of discipline. The Swiss are amazing in discipline. So I used all my willpower and discipline to be good, in inverted commas. And I was probably one of the more successful people in bright line eating until I finally decided this is absolute rubbish and I have to walk away from it. But nearly two years, I was pretty much following the bright lines 100%. Sometimes I would eat a little bit on quantities. So you had to measure your food. And I remember I used to love, I used to make it like a birch muesli for breakfast with oats. And um, sometimes I would cheat, cheat and put Mm. in, you know, 10 grams more oats. And then I would feel guilty. I mean, just absolutely. 10 grams? I know, 10 grams. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, so you're now, literally weigh, you're weighing everything every day. Everything every day. <clears throat> how, how do you do that and live? Like, you exactly. Know. Well, you have to pack all your food. Like, so you pack all your lunch for, um, for your lunch at work. And then at dinner, you can only go to certain places that have basically, you just, all you can eat is salad for dinner. And so I would only go to certain places where I knew I could get something clean, as they call it. Oh, and my God, you're sounding so much like someone with a restrictive eating exactly, disorder. Exactly, exactly. And I remember one time my husband and daughter, they are really, they love eating. So I used to go for dinner with them and then they would go for gelato, which I love. Gelato is probably my favourite food in the world. I would eat an apple while they were eating gelato which is so sad. Like, I just feel so sad for that woman I was. I feel, And yeah. one day, there was a lot, lot of things happening. One day, they were having gelato and I went, fuck this. I'm going to have a double scoop of chocolate gelato. And that was the beginning of the end. I just mm-hmm. thought, no, I cannot sustain this way of living and eating and controlling every aspect of what went in my mouth. So something in you was beginning to see, yes. in spite of all of that powerful positive reinforcement, that yes. the things weren't okay. No, they were not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so pleased I found the courage to walk away from it. I did write a, a letter to Susan Pierce Thompson and said, I thanks to you, I now have orthorexia and I'm probably borderline anorexic. Your program has actually made me have an eating disorder. I never heard back from her. I never also heard back. never heard back. I, I wrote an email to my house leaders. So they were like leaders that would support you. And they wrote back. I, I wrote the same email to them and they said, oh, we're very sorry. We wish you well. That was it. That was all. Are you serious? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then, not, not even any interest in, no, oh, my God, how are we doing harm? What can we do to make sure this doesn't yeah, happen? Exactly, exactly. And so within six months, 
I put on all the weight I had lost over two mm -hmm. years and that was scary. It was a very scary process to just go, no matter what, I'm not going to diet. No mm -hmm. matter how much weight I gain, I'm not going to restrict. It was the promise I made myself and I haven't since then. It's been two and a half years and I feel the best I've felt, you know, even though I'm the biggest I've ever been, I'm so happy. I'm so fucking happy. Yeah. And I eat what I want. I trust, you know, I trust when my mind or body says I want this or that, whether it's yeah. healthy or so-called unhealthy. Or addictive. Yeah. Or yeah. addictive. I will have it. Yeah. Oh, I'll so enjoy every bite. What you're saying is that you're happy, not thin and free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But, I mean, at the beginning, like you said, it was terrifying. It was so and, scary, yeah. And how did you get any help? I had to pay for bloody therapy. So I had to pay more money. I had therapy, which really did help me a lot. I'm and so I glad you found a good therapist. Yeah, I learned a few principles about intuitive eating and that really helped me. And I also just let myself, if I had to have a binge, I had a binge. Um, yeah. You would have needed many binges. I had been so deprived that I would just like buy a big packet of peanut M&Ms and squat the whole lot down in like okay. two minutes flat because yeah. I was starving for sugar, just starving. Yeah, whereas now I just, yes, I will eat any sweets if I want them, but I'm not binging anymore, not at all, because I can have it. That's, the no That's lovely. But you had to go through that period I of did. allowing yourself. I pinched a lot. Yes, mm. I did. Every time I had something stressful at work, I would binge. Mm. Whereas now I have something stressful at work and I can handle it. But mm. the binging was important. It really, really was to allow that. Yeah. Yeah. And to not go, oh, I'm going to do the binging so I can get to non-binging. No, I just did the binging because. I wanted to allow myself to have the food I craved. Yeah, no agenda. Just, yeah, you're trying yeah. to be, I just want to help myself feel safe. Yeah, and, exactly. Oh, God, that is so good. And it's, it's but it's harrowing. You know? It was, it was scary. And it was also against everything that my mother taught me and also that our society teaches. It's like, do not lose control. You'll end up fat and ugly you know and in my case fat old and ugly because I was in menopause and I, I just had to go no I will not believe that I can be vital I can be smart I can be beautiful I can have a loving heart I can be have a wise mind I don't have to look emaciated in order to be worth something yeah 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 it makes you question everything you've been taught yeah Exactly. And was your mum still around when? No, she died. She died just, so the day before she died, did I tell you that story? She was, talk, I was talking to her on the phone. She was having some back surgery the next day and she was 87 and she, she's Swiss German. So she was saying, oh, Martina, I cannot wait because I will lose all the weight after the operation. And she died on the operating theatre. 
excited she was going to lose the weight at 87. So she'd had a whole life of it. And she used to say things to me, which is why I became so susceptible. She'd say, you are getting fat and fatter. And I believed it, which wasn't even true. I look at pictures now of, you know, myself in my teens and 20s and I was just a normal-sized girl. Yeah, but that was her, unfortunately, her legacy. I mean, I'm not, I used to be very angry with her. I'm not now because she was a victim of it too. But I'm glad I'm free of it and hopefully she's free of it where where she is now. Oh, my God. There is no diet culture in whatever happens next. (laughs) Surely. (laughs) Yeah, it's events like that that help us move on. Yeah. Because it sort of just puts it in that stark realisation of I don't want to live like that. No, no. Because there's such joy in food and sharing Mm. food and looking forward to dinner out or the lunch you have in your lunchbox that's really special and yummy, yeah, Yeah, instead of just a fucking other salad. I mean, I just lived on salads. (laughs) (laughs) I am amazed that you've not only managed to get out of Bright Lines, Yes. But you, you've managed to kind of, by the sound of it, recover from the eating disorder that it yes, caused. Yes, I have, yeah. And, and found, like, not just peace with food but enjoyment. Enjoyment, yeah, very much so. That's yeah. so lovely. And one more thing I want to add about Susan Pierce Thompson is that she actually lifted the program Brightline Eating from Food Addicts Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous, which is a 12-step program based on the addiction model. Now, Food Addicts Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous are free. You can go Mm. to meetings all across the world and just pay 20 cents if that's all you've got or nothing or a dollar. And yet she has lifted that program and is making millions, which is actually ethically completely not okay. Yeah, I have heard that. I mean, the, I have done some shows on um, Overeaters Anonymous. And, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the whole food addiction model thing. No, nor do or I. The 12-step approach to food and eating because it just too closely mirrors an eating disorder. Yeah. But Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and all of those organisations can really help people. And, and they're, like you said, it's, it's, they're charitable organisations. Yeah. And yeah, they don't she, want to make any money. They're not for profit. He's monetizing it's all it. All about profit. Yeah. 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 Oh God, there's no doubt in my mind from these emails that I'm being pummeled with. <laughs> like she's popping up all the time when, with like, oh, I bet you've got this question, and oh, I've been thinking of you, which is creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She really seduces people, mm, and mm. and often I found a lot of those women that were part of Brightline Eating who were between 40 and 70, a lot of them were empty nesters who were like sad because their children had left home. A lot of them were divorced. Many were lonely. And so it gave them a purpose and a community. And Susan was like their big sister, you know, loving, attentive, but at the, at the same time, give me, give me, give me your money. Oh, it's yeah. yeah, it's so uh, manipulative. Yeah, 
care about you. I love you. She always says, I love you. You know how Americans do that? They always say, I love you, even though she's never fucking met you. And so you feel, oh, my God, she loves me. I'm special. Um, so it sounds like a marketing ploy. She's a cult leader. By the <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's creepy, but she is quite charismatic. Um, and yeah, as well as really practiced in this in this hard sell. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm, am I shocked? I don't, I don't know if I'm, sh- no, I'm not shocked. I am, I'm really pissed off that yeah. you would not be alone, right? No. You would not be the only person who has done this program and come out the other side with an eating disorder. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not. There's others that I know that have developed eating disorders and have left. And there are also many others who blame themselves. At least I don't blame myself in any way, shape or form, but many do. They were like, oh, I didn't have the willpower. I failed. I'm a failure. I'm going to try doing it again next July when the next program starts. Yeah, and that's what it relies on, right? It relies on the disempowerment of women. Exactly. And and making them blame themselves rather than if if women like one if honestly I want people to know that this is not their fault that no. if you if you've been involved in bright lines or anything like it and developed an eating disorder that's because of the deprivation there's no kind of uh, addiction process happening that's all bullshit yes. this is this is about deprivation and restriction and people's responses to starvation and I am in the program I'm imagining that she doesn't kind of give people informed consent at the beginning by saying you know this could give you an eating disorder yeah no and not no warnings that none of these 50 emails have said anything downsidey about any of it and then when people do get sick from it there's no accountability that she take none none at all yeah she doesn't even reply to emails that where people go I'm broken I've got an eating disorder. I go and get treatment for my eating disorder. You have harmed me. Yeah. Right. What your program has done. And like the first rule of medicine is first, do no harm. harm. Yeah. This, I mean, there's a lot of charlatans out there on the internet selling stupid programs, but someone who is a health professional, like a registered neuropsychologist, does have a duty of care. Yeah. And I think, I just think that something needs to be done. In, mm-hmm. in along those lines of and that's why it's so good to have you here you know speaking out about you know this happened to me and if anyone wants to email me louise will put my email address in the show notes i'm really happy to chat to you if you've done bright line eating and if you're struggling with anything to do with bright line eating i'm really happy to have a chat to you or converse via email about what you're going through because you didn't fail. The diet failed. Thank you, Martina. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's a really good idea because there is, you know, power in community. You've been you've yeah. been part of the power of the sort of dysfunctional, disordered community of Bright Lines. Yeah. But um, getting together a group of people who have identified as damaged by that, you know, who good things might be able to come from that. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need to protect people from these kinds of predators. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because they have a lot of charisma and power. 
Yeah, and very yeah. little in the way of actual, you know, humanity, empathy, or evidence to back them up. No. <laughs> oh God. Um, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story, Martin. That's oh, really powerful. I think it's important, you know, to to really uncover those scams that various diets are made up of. But bright line eating is just one of them. There are thousands more. Um, and they all promise, like, this is the only diet that will work. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. You will find happiness. And yet it really causes misery. Yeah. yeah. The more we can share these stories, the more um, able we'll feel to resist their temptation. Yeah. But, um, I'm just glad that you're out on the other side. And Me too. Yeah. I can so much more fun. Go. <laughs> Eat with gusto. Yeah. And in, enjoy your gelato. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you again. Thanks, Louise. Thank you so much, Martina, for your courage in coming on and speaking so honestly and openly about your story today. And I'm just I'm so sorry that you lost those years of your life and that recovery was was so tough. And my God, my blood's boiling still. I'm, it's just awful to think that Susan Pierce Thompson simply ignored, like just turned her back on Martina after she told her that Brightline's eating had caused her eating disorder. And, you know, you'd think that someone who had suffered an eating disorder herself, you'd think there would be some recognition or some empathy. And especially, you know, someone who is responsible for that many thousands of people during her program. But her radio silence speaks volumes. This woman wants your money. She's literally not interested in hearing the truth about the harm she is doing. And that is not okay. During that interview, Martina was talking about how she'd been crunching some numbers to estimate just how much money the Brightline Eating monolith is making and how much Susan Pierce Thompson is making from this harm. And it's breathtaking what she was talking about. It, it made me look a bit deeper. So after I spoke to Martina, I looked more into the finances of Brightline Eating and what I found out literally has blown my head apart. Here's some facts. <laughs> so one thing that did come out of that, you know, we were talking just earlier about that single published paper from um, research publications on the Brightline Eating page. So the one, like, it was a shit paper, let's face it. It was a nothing to write home about blah, blah, blah starving people make some lose weight in the short term big deal but one thing that was important was because it did have numbers of how many people had bought the boot camp I was able to estimate how much cash she's raking in or how much she raked in anyway during that period between 2014 and 2018 so there was 18,778 buyers at American dollars US she has pocketed just shy of $17 million in four years. I know, right? <laughs> My jaw is on the floor right now. Quite often here on All Fired Up, we talk about how diet culture is a multi-million dollar industry, making money off profiting, off weight cycling. And this is one woman, $17 million. It's just astonishing. I looked at a website that gave out Brightline Company information and I found out that her husband, David, is the CFO of Brightline Eating. 
So it looks like he has forgiven Susan Pierce Thompson for uh, the 12 step method taking up so much time. <laughs> I guess when you're making squillions, it, it, it is easier to, to do that and stay together. And anyway, this website lists Brightline Eating as having 30 employees with a revenue of $5.8 million. But it looks like this cash cow keeps on giving. So I found out a little bit more information on this website about what's been happening in 2019. And this is staggering. So in the first quarter of 2019, her revenue was listed at $6 million. And then for the next two quarters of 2019, revenue was listed at $9 million per quarter. So in 2019, this woman made 30 million bucks. I shit you not. I'll put up the link in the show notes so you can see for yourself because I didn't believe it when I looked at it, but it's true. This is absolutely what is happening. And look, it's not all going to be from boot camps. It's going to be from the upsell that happens to the people doing the program. But if we simply assume that 30 million bucks was all from selling a boot camp, that's about 33,000 people each year buying into the Brightline eating bullshit cult. And there is a hefty proportion of people here who are not going to be well and a big proportion of people who are going to have experiences like Martina and end up terribly unwell. I'm shuddering thinking of the numbers of people who are being harmed by this. These people are making huge bank, huge bank off the backs of thousands of desperate people. But it's not enough for Susan Pierce Thompson. In her book, she says that by 2040, she wants 1 million people at what she calls goal weight. That's 900 million in boot camp sales. I think she wants to be a billionaire, you guys. <laughs> Why not, huh? One of the things that has struck me doing all this research into Brightline Eating is how much positive press there is about her. There is like literally nothing negative. And I think that this podcast might be one of the very few things out there that might even try to have a sniff around some of the claims and think critically about what's being done here. There's just no critical feedback. In fact, there seems to be an absence of any, even basic journalistic research looking more closely at her, her claims from Susan Pierce Thompson. People just seem to be swallowing her idea and the story. And I don't know if that's because she is so completely compelling and, and such a good marketer, or if it's the science cred, the fact that she's a neuroscientist and that's so incredible that we don't question it, but no one seems to be checking up on her. There was a particularly uh, nauseating media piece about her written in 2016, and the journalist just made dust and dust and dust about how brave Susan was for leaving her academic position and doing the bright line eating thing full time. And look, I'm sorry, but I don't think it's particularly brave if you're making $6 million a year to leave an academic position. I think it's capitalism. This journalist says, as a scientist, I'm especially heartened by Susan's desire to use profits generated by bright line eating to fund research on weight loss, since objective data and evidence-based approaches are sorely lacking in the field. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Okay. In her book, she does talk about how um, she wants to do more research to prove that Brightline Eating works. And she mentioned something called the Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss. What the fuck is that? I hear you ask. 
Well, the Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss is a charitable foundation. So you can look it up on the internet. It's got a mission statement which says, the mission of the Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss is to advance the science for sustainable weight loss for everyone. And they claim that we support research studying the changes in the brain and body that promote permanent weight loss and the behaviours that best support those changes. Sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? It's been around since 2016, during which time, as we've established, Susan Pierce Thompson has made squillions of dollars. And yet no research at all has been released by this institute. In fact, <laughs> the sole purpose of this institute seems to be the large donate button. That, so they're asking people to give them money because poor things, they don't have any funding. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting for me to think that apparently even making $47 million is just not enough to finance even some vaguely quality research beyond the, the sort of um, floppy dogs dinner example posters that we were just looking at. I mean, dodgy. It just spoke dodgy to me, this institute. And then it got worse. <laughs> when you actually dig, because it is a registered charity, I, I sent them, it, it says on the um, website that if any potential donors want to find out more information on whether or not they're legit as a charity to send them an email and they will send back papers to confirm that they're actually actually a charity. So I suppose donors can do their tax dodges. But I heard nothing back from that email. So I dug around just to see how the charity was going and it's actually registered as a non-compliant charity in the state of New Jersey. So what that means is that this charity has not supplied enough information since it looks like quite a few years it just hasn't provided any information to, to the charity directories. So that's interesting right? Please donate to the Institute of Sustainable Weight Loss, which is non-compliant with the state laws, <laughs> to apparently do some research which doesn't apparently seem to be happening. So there you have it, listeners, the bright line eating world of um, mass marketing, l dodgy diet claims, making a buttload of money off the agony of everyday people like Martina and completely unresponsive to criticisms or in completely unresponsive to Martina and her story of being harmed. What can we conclude here? Buyer beware. Please, please be aware of this person. Susan Pierce Thompson is encouraging people to do her diet, which she has lifted from FA, which is so low calorie, it will induce in all humans a state of physical starvation which will activate a whole range of homeostatic drivers designed to get you to completely preoccupied with food, feeling very hungry, and everything in your body will be fighting to regain the weight. Her diet will make you more interested and preoccupied with food. It will make you more sensitive to food cues. It will heighten your, your sense of need to have these banned foods. So you're much more likely to binge or compulsively eat not because you're an addict, but because of the deprivation. You'll be at risk of potentially feeling less pleasure from eating these foods. And of course, you're going to endure an ongoing chronic starvation state, including slowed metabolism and low levels of leptin, the messenger to your brain that tells 
you that you're starving. And of course, we can't forget that her diet will potentially result in an eating disorder like what happened to Martina. Susan Pierce Thompson is selling a really expensive program to help to, to apparently white knuckle you through the impossible. Our body weight is incredibly tightly regulated and it does not give up. But to top off all of this, she's telling you that all of these rules are freedom. Susan Pierce Thompson fails to tell people the entire truth about brain-based weight regulation and the impact of strict dieting on your metabolism and defended weight range. Although she is a neuroscientist, she has ignored the role of yo-yo dieting and chronic restriction, which are impacting the lives of people in her target market. People she is targeting are already primed to think that they're food addicts. And she's blaming the palatability and toxicity of food when really it's deprivation from food, which is causing these heightened responses. And as we've heard from Martina, uh, Brightline's Eating and Susan Pierce Thompson, completely ignore the risk of developing an eating disorder on this program. And if you reach out to them in distress, you're not going to hear anything back. And she's making millions of dollars and running a very dodgy research institute, which actually is a non-compliant charity. Nice. Look, this is totally irresponsible. It's 2020, and in my opinion, the era of the weight loss industry free-for-all needs to stop right now. I am tired of seeing diets like the Brightline Eating Cult being promoted all over the internet with gushy testimonials and bullshit claims going unchallenged. It is time for the anti-testimonial, and I thank you, Martina, for doing that. It is time for people who have been harmed by the diet industry to band together and to push back, to demand their money back, to demand a stop to this ongoing harm. So if you've been involved in the Brightline Eating Program and if you have been harmed by it, please get in contact with Martina as she was encouraging you to. The details and her contact details will be there in the show notes. There is power in community. Martina is awesome and I know that there is many more people out there like her. So please get in contact. Let's start reclaiming and shaking things up. Right, rant over and show over. Thank you so much for listening through this rollicking ride through the Brightline eating underbelly. I'm really looking forward to being back with you again soon to take you through our next exciting episode. But take care of yourself, everybody. Um, Really look after yourselves. And I am hoping that everyone is feeling safe and getting through the weirdest year possible. So I will talk to you very soon. In the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture. Untrap from the crap.